1: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: They expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing. I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from. (laughs)
2: Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast following yesterday's 3-1 defeat to Sheffield United. It was a game where, unfortunately, and I say this, I say this as most Luton fans would agree, we went in as favourites. It's something we don't like. We like the underdogs tag. And um, yeah, going in as favourites isn't the one for us Luton Town fans. We all tried to stay positive with predictions as well. But it was always going to be a Blades victory when we saw Luton Town odds on. I'm here with Jamie Castle today. Jamie, how are you?
3: Uh, it's like we all need to just let a big sigh out, don't we? Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you, you try and keep the faith and think this year maybe we're different. But there was always a sense of sort of it, it was always inevitable, I think. And it, it, you, you sort of think... In hindsight, you think, oh, we're just so stupid. We, we, we were led down this path to think that we're this, this side that can just rock up at home and put in a great performance as we have done and get three points and haven't got to worry. We're staying up this year. Um, and yeah, we've just been booted off cloud nine and falling back down to earth again. Um, so yeah, it'll be a tough, one, a tough one to talk about today, but let's get through it.
2: And it's always difficult to maintain this sort of level of you know being centered and and not getting too high not getting too low but but naturally after what we've seen in in recent weeks we were just on this as we say cloud nine um always was going to be something to bring us back down to earth and and as town fans we've got this habit of not making things difficult for ourselves because we've enjoyed we've enjoyed fantastic years as, as as Luton fans but we've we, we do things the hard way and we do the things the Luton way and what better example to showcase exactly that losing 3-1 to team bottom of the league who we were, were without an away win all season um, I don't think they'd scored three in a game that I might be wrong in that um, but ultimately it was it was where everything looked great and from the outside. Heard it all week. Luton are going to win this convincingly. Um, we tried to remain positive, as I said, with the predictions. But but there's always this feeling that a game like that is around the corner. And and um, we'll get on to Sheffield United because I think they deserve a lot of credit as well. But but from a Luton perspective, Jamie, it was just um, very disappointing. But we'll get into all of that in one second. And, and before we go into our own analysis of the game. You may have heard last week during our ad break that we have teamed up with NordVPN. NordVPN allows you to be anywhere in the world, so you can watch your sports, you can watch your movies, you can watch TV series anywhere um, across the world. You can you can set it to, to be your own sort of personal bodyguard to protect your data. Um, to get the best deal for NordVPN, please visit NordVPN dot com forward slash oak road hatter now jamie let's start with the team news and it was more of the same weren't it we saw that lineup we saw sheffield united's lineup and it was a point to you know positivity we were looking at that and thinking we've got a very good chance here brett diaz missing from from sheffield united who's been a, a real goal threat for them since his arrival more of the same from Luton. There was no real injury issues, bar Bar Mengi making the bench as opposed to the starting eleven. It was a team that you know shown a lot of confidence, a team as we say on cloud nine. Uh, but but ultimately didn't pan out that way.
3: Yeah, and we were sat in the pub before the game, and when the team news came out, and I thought we were pretty positive, right? One change, Mengi out. Okay, big big loss. He's been fantastic for us, but. Birkin, he's he's put in a good good sort of two or three performances in recently since he's come back. Um, so you weren't really um you weren't really worried about that uh that change and then the rest was as you were. Chio sort of right wing back you thought would have a lot of joy down that down that right hand side. Um and then you see Sheffield United line up and you think, Oh, no, Breton Diaz, that's that's because he's he's been big for them since he signed um, for me as well naimat no Burnie, is okay is not is not a top level striker but he's always seemed to cause us a bit of a headache whenever we've come up against him um so i was pretty positive that i mean it was a cameron archer up top on his own with McAtee and, and osborne you, you you think that there's enough in that luton team to be able to um limit them and and really dominate the game um we weren't far wrong i think we did dominate the game in terms of the ball was concerned and and i guess territory um but simply didn't create enough and simply didn't limit them as much as we could have done um and as as we we, we know all too well that football's a game that's won in both boxes um because we weren't good enough at like that yesterday um so yeah it, it sort of shows you how when the team news comes out don't read really too much into it let's just get, get to the game and, and see what happens because you can be positive after a team is released and then come crashing down inside 15 minutes when they go on and up
2: and we spoke a lot in the build-up to the game we used phrases such as uh, banana skin uh potential bubble burster and that's exactly what it proved to be we found ourselves two goals down at half time um say so the first one's avoidable the second one and um, we'll get onto the, the penalty incidents but. As you say, we had a lot of the ball. I think we ended up with 75% possession, um, which is, you know, very uncharacteristic. That's not very Luton Town at all. Um, But And and as Rob Edwards said, we just didn't move the ball quick enough in those those final third areas. I think movement was okay. I think there was, you know, belief in the game plan as well. I don't think it was too bad. But as we said, the, the sort of final third where things become very interesting. We just weren't our, our typical selves. We weren't as relentless and as clinical as we have been in, in recent games. Um, so, so how did you assess that first half? We were 2-0 down. Did you have that, that famous scoreline of 3-2 ringing around your head thinking we're going to do it again?
3: Yeah, and you think especially when Carlton scores his goal in, in sort of early on second half, you think, yeah, we're going to come back now and, and apply some pressure. Um, but no, in terms of the first half, you think you were spot on, you just didn't move it quick enough. Um, seemed to hesitate on the ball a little bit, take the extra touch when before, you probably weren't taking that touch. And that, that was everyone's culprit. I mean, as good as Ross has been, you feel like there's times where he could have just sort of laid it off a bit sooner. And out on the left, I think Carlton was, was found on the left a few times and just you think it's laid it off to Doughty, but he just didn't. Um, Likewise, down on on the right hand side. I mean, the amount of times I was shouting, Reesberg, just to drive for the ball. Like he was, I always had the ball, and he had a bit, had a bit of space to be able to drive with Chio out out wide. But he just almost just sat on it and always f- chose the easy ball and and sort of went back inside to Gabe. And I was chatting to the guy who sits in front of me. Like today, all you need to do you, 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 today we we needed to be brave and patient, and we, we we were patient. We weren't forcing it, which I think you shouldn't do. But we just weren't brave enough on the ball. You weren't. You weren't just trying to take those risks. And um, for me, I, I, I'm I'm usually a bit adverse to shots outside the box. But there were there were a few openings where probably you could have thought we might have taken a shot or two. Like because who knows? It takes a deflection, go out for a corner. But yeah, we were almost trying to score the perfect goal, which really isn't. I mean, especially in the Premier League, isn't isn't the the Luton way of doing things. Um, so as much as we are going on this journey and we're transitioning from this super direct side going in, into a front two to now trying to have a bit more quality on the ball and having a bit more possession and, and trying to break down teams we almost went a bit too far the other way um as you say 75% possession is ridiculous and appreciate that for, for two thirds of the game Sheffield and I didn't really need to have the ball because they were ahead um still when, when you have that much ball you need to just be brave and try and take some risks and we just didn't do that um we still created decent chances um nothing i mean for me the one was was doubly on the byline second half but other than that there weren't there weren't really any clear clear chances where i think even at half time okay we dominated the ball and and the territory but i think Sheffield united had the better chances really i think we, we were warned early on um I think Archer put a shot wide and he had it again sort of in, inside the six-yard box and somehow missed and then went on to score moments later. Um, so, so we were warned really early on, but we just didn't really wake up to it. Um, and then, yeah, Archer scores his goal. I think the goal really is... The, the way it played out, I, I said, was very similar to that Newcastle second goal where Gordon had a lot of joy down, down that, that right. Osho was dragged out from the middle and tried to tried to sort of out-run out him and uh, and win the ball back but couldn't because he wasn't he just looked well, only gordon's that's that bit faster of a player and, and and same for archer i think he just managed to get beyond gabe um question should gabe have you know what was clear into rose at that point if if you're against against a player like that just try and try and win the ball where you can rather than sort of let him get to the, get that they, those yards to go um but yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll do a lot of the, lot of the work behind the scenes, a, a lot of the, the the sort of that the breakdowns of what of what happened and try and resolve that because there's two goals now in two games where it's come from that 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 same side.
2: And naturally, being a Luton Town podcast, we're we're gonna you know dive into everything Luton Luton based. But I think it was probably the perfect away day for Sheffield United and a team that haven't had much joy on the road. Um, I think they executed the game plan perfectly, Jamie. I think it was very similar to when we've had joy away from home where we've conceded possession and we've been happy with the team in front of us having the ball and and switching it from side to side. Um, The possession statistic means absolutely nothing to me because I think Sheffield United dominated the game from having us in front of them, Uh, sorry, from from playing the game you know they, they had the bodies behind. They broke out very quickly. They had a shape that that just wasn't broken. The bar maybe one or two times. Um, it, it did seem that the only way we were going to score was was how we scored. Um, and then I think that that doughty chance as well was was the only real other real time where we've carved them open. Um, they defended the box excellently. Any cross that came in. Um, they, they made first contact bar, again, that, that sort of penalty incident. Um, and as, as I sort of mentioned at the top there, it was how we've approached some games earlier on in the season when, we, when we've seen joy away from home. I think back to, I know we didn't win this game, but the Fulham game, and there was a, a few parallels to that in terms of we had the better chances at Fulham like Sheffield United did. We broke out very good. But it was that sort of possession. We allowed Fulham to, to have the ball and, and the neutral would have said, wow, look at, look at Fulham having 77% possession against Luton. But it doesn't really matter yeah. when you can't carve anything open. I think that's probably a similar takeaway from yesterday. I weren't there, but I've heard it a few times as well, Jamie, that, that Sheffield United fans were were class yesterday. We mentioned they're a team that haven't had much joy um, on the road. Yesterday was their first league victory away from home. Um, were they as good as, as the TV made it sound and, and how other Luton fans have have sort of mentioned?
3: Yeah, they were great. And I think just going, going back to Sheffield <clears throat> United as a team on the road, yeah, they may not have won on the road this season, but if you look at recent results, I mean drew at Villa until, I mean, they were 1-0 up until 90 plus 7 or whatever it was and then they, they, they lost lost three points and only got a point at Villa Park and we all know how tough it is to go to Aston Villa. Went went to Selhurst Park and, I mean, they lost to Palace 3-2 but two of Palace's goals were nominated for, for goal of the month so that, that tells you all you, need, all you need to know that probably were a bit unlucky to concede two worldies in that game. So, they have been improving under Wilder. I think results may not have improved but I think performances certainly have and you, you could have said that, it was always coming for them that they always were going to gonna get that win. And unfortunately it was against us. Um, so yeah, I mean, full, full credit to them, obviously frustrating for us. Cause we, as much as we've benefited from those sort of game plans before, it's always frustrating when it's happened, happened to us, but we just need to take our medicine and yeah, look at ourselves. You, you can complain about, loads of things yesterday it could be like the VAR calls which I agree neither penalty was a penalty or the ref I thought was awful but not going to complain about that because ultimately I think we have to look at ourselves and there was enough in the game for us to have got to got the three points if we'd have played that a bit better um but and the fans yeah they're excellent um and almost in that in that sort of phase of the season now where you almost think you know what let's just let's just enjoy it uh, no matter what happens now we're bottom We're bottom of the league now on 13 points um probably the derby record was something looming over them that's now sort of gone um and yeah i think a lot of the chef united fans had probably um sort of just settled with the fact that they probably are going down even even after winning today they probably are still going down who knows they might they might turn around and have a great escape and if they do then then good luck to, to, to them Um, But the fans are probably thinking, let's just enjoy it. And yeah, they certainly enjoyed it yesterday. Had had a few good songs, had that McAtee song that we might pinch for John McAtee if he he comes good. Um, Other than that, yeah, fair play to them. It was a proper championship game, championship uh, atmosphere, rather than a bit of a um, sort of a a lively atmosphere that we've seen at, at, at most grounds this season.
2: I do think there's this false narrative being created recently where... Because we've enjoyed some very good form, we've suddenly become a much better team than, than Sheffield United. Um, they've obviously been on the, the wrong end of some some poor results, but but still, when you look at the quality within the teams, you look at um, probably their season on a, on a sort of larger scale. You mentioned a few games where they have been quite unfortunate, and of course, they have been on the, the back end of some some spankings as well. But they're not. I don't believe they're that bad of a side. I don't think they're as bad of a side as, as people make out. And I think yesterday probably played a part in in improving that, Um, that they've been naturally when we've exceeded expectations and we've become the team that, that people um, didn't expect us to be that they've sort of turned their attention onto Sheffield United. And I think Sheffield United have proven enough times that they're not this, this poor side that, that, Will go down without a fight, and I think that's evident from yesterday, and I think that they're the same points now as Burnley, which you know just points to how how one game week can completely change the the whole outlook of the table um we We spoke about how important it would have been for us to to bridge a thirteen point gap over Sheffield united and it would have been a ten point gap over Burnley um but just within one game week missing out on the opportunity has has really. Congested things once again, and that's probably the beauty of the Premier League. from From an outsider perspective, not so much from a Luton perspective. Just wanted to focus in on one player, and that was Alfie Doughty yesterday. Um, I think consistency in delivery is something you you'll naturally point out from his performance. Um, and I think he delivered some some good crosses into the box. I think he also messed a few up, and and I think that's the, the Best example of that was that that opportunity where Teahew Chung found him. Um, a lot of people, I've seen a fair few sort of negative spins on his performance yesterday. But one thing that really really impresses me about him is that he'll keep going. He's relentless. He'll keep getting into those positions. He doesn't shy away. And quality is not always going to be there. You can't you can't you know deliver ten out of ten balls every time. But if you've got a player that, that's willing to continue doing what he's doing, even when it's not quite going his way, then you no, know, that's all you can really ask for.
3: Absolutely. And I think yesterday the, uh, the weight of the FPL world was on his shoulders. I think so many people brought him into their teams on the back of an easy home game against Sheffield United and then the double game week next week when we got Liverpool and United. So I think... I mean, I, I I did as well. He was in my team. Um, so yeah, that, that, that probably put a bit of unnecessary pressure on him. Um, but in terms of the performance, yeah, I think there's certainly were some balls that were lacking. I think I mentioned the one in the second half where he just has to put a five-yard flat pass on onto either Colton or, or Eli's plate, and then it's 2-2. Um, and then five minutes later, it's 3-1 Sheffield United. Um, so that's that's one of the moments that I think you've, You probably do amplify that moment given how big that chance is in the grand scheme of the game and goals change games right and that that is absolutely correct goals do goals do change games um but across the 90 minutes yeah he he did put some stinkers in but like most players do most weeks um but there there were still there still were one or two that you thought actually were very good balls i think there was a couple of corners that Either Colton just missed, or it just sort of fell onto Gabe's head and went over. Um, so that's that, that. I mean, I think Alfie was probably unlucky to not get it. To not get an assist yesterday, I think he he certainly delivered enough balls of, of enough quality to be able to to have found the back of the net if if someone got, got on the end of it. Um, and yeah, I think that's. I mean, I think what what you, what you said about Alfie is is true, and the same of the rest of the team is even despite a lack of quality and an off day in terms of performance yesterday. You can't. You can't say that there was no effort there because I think the players were trying um, for for ninety nine minutes or whatever it was in the end. Um, so it's yeah, as frustrating as it is, you just need to keep your head up and and go into Man United um, and think you know what it's an off day. If we play a bit better against Man United, we've got, then we've got a good chance of getting three points there as well. And as much as. It would make sense for us to beat Sheffield united and lose to man united doing it the looting way means that we're going to lose to Sheffield united and beat man united um so yeah because just encourage players to keep your head up it's, a, it's an off day don't as much as it feels like it's that the 90 minutes is unwound or like sort of good fitting around the club of the results we can't let that happen we need to bounce into man united think right just write it off it's happened it's football and bounce into main united just thinking well, we've, we would put four past brighton so why can't, why can't we put put, put four past main united
2: and as we often say on this podcast our ability to respond to to setbacks is you know unmatched we respond very very well and i think as a fan base largely we we respond well after disappointment we understand that yesterday was a poor result was a fairly poor performance but we won't let that as a fan base sort of come into our thinking when we look ahead to this Manchester United game. We don't dwell on the the disappointments. We look ahead and we look at this Manchester United game. And we, say, we see it as a really, really good opportunity to respond and, and naturally get back up to the highs we were feeling against uh, Brighton and Newcastle. Um, so, so in that respect, I've got no no doubts that that we will put things right from a performance perspective. Whether that that um, breeds three points, that's still to be seen. One other player I do want to mention was Tahith Chong yesterday because when he came on, like he often does, he gave us a kind of different dimension. Um, we, we've mentioned this already, but that through ball we put to Alfie Doughty was. Yeah. You know, you don't get many players um, that, that can play a pass with with the precision and, and with the appreciation that he did there. Um, he's just very exciting to watch when he gets on the ball, turns, um, he, he's carrying ability. It's a completely different option for us off the bench. And I think he came on at a really sort of crucial time. Um and I, I, I think he's you know, doing a lot of good from the bench at the moment, similar to, to Colton, similar to Elijah when they had to bide their time. Do you think welcoming Taheev Chung back into the starting eleven fairly soon, quite timely for, for Manchester United um, if it's then, do you think that's something we could be seeing fairly soon?
3: Yeah, I think so. And I think, I mean, if you forget the money we spent, right, I mean, he's now our our most valuable signing. Now Giles has gone out to hole. Um, I I mean, I don't want to sort of be capped in hindsight because obviously we've lost and and maybe we should have done this better and have not got information that we didn't have before, but maybe he's someone that we need to use more in those moments where you're trying to unlock a team and be a bit more brave on the ball and take more risks. I think he's certainly got the, the quality to be able to, to, to do that. You talk about maybe having a few more pot shots outside the box and you think the one that Chong had just went past the post and if that goes in, that could have been different um so maybe he's not a player to use when we're bats against the wall and and sort of just trying to sit in and and counter maybe he's a player that when we are on top we can benefit more from should we have made the change earlier who knows I mean as as good as Eli and Carlton have been maybe we didn't need that that strength and height up top maybe could we needed that more of a of a of an out ball and a, a bit more quality on, on the ball, because um, most of the time we had we had the ball in their half and there wasn't really much space to put to put crosses in the box and and it, try and find Eli or, or Carlton because either the line was really deep and the keeper could come out and claim it or you just there was wasn't really that that space to, to find that direct ball that we we often have to to to, to the strikers so maybe with the benefit of hindsight could we have changed a little bit and brought one of the big men off and and, and gone to Trong a bit earlier? Um, but who knows? Like obviously, it's all hindsight and we'll never know whether that would have been a good change now. Um, but it's something that I think we should, should certainly look at and, and think about if if we are against a team that are, are camping in I mean, we've got, what is it, five more games now against the bottom nine at home this season. Um, so that's five more games where we may see a similar sort of game where the, a team comes to us and, camps in and tries to sort of be like, come on then, you you, you try and beat us. Um, so we certainly need to try and create a formula and find a solution to those sort of games because we're probably going to see that game a few more times a season at home. Um, and those games are going to be massive. We've got f- five more games against those sort of teams and you certainly think we need to win at least three or four of those if we're going to stay up this year. Um, so yeah, one, maybe we look at using chog a bit more.
2: We're going to head into a short break, but when we're back, we will speak about the penalty incidents that that obviously, obviously got to to Rob Edwards yesterday. And we'll also look at the, the Premier League table in a little bit more detail as we head into the rest of the campaign.
0: Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. 247, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: We are back for the second part of today's episode where Jamie reluctantly said yes to coming on and talking after Lutertown 1, Sheffield United 3, one that we've, we've already mentioned, has brought us quite firmly back down to earth. There were two penalties given yesterday, Jamie. Um... And as the Premier League has proven to be, controversial penalties are just part and parcel. Uh, the, obviously, the first one was a penalty for them, for, for a handball for Rhys-Burke. And then the second one was Vinnie Souza, allowing uh, Colton Morris to score from the spot. My take on this, Jamie, is that neither should be penalties. Um, Rhys-Burke is on his way down after you know using his arms to get some power. He's not even looking at the ball. Um, and the same for Vinny Souza. I think that was even less of a penalty. But because he'd given the the one on Burke, it felt like he yeah. had to give that. Um, I also think that they, under the current laws of the game, they, they are penalties. But it's the law itself that needs to be looked at. Because, you know, if you continue to have those given as penalties, it, it just ruins it can ruin games in the future and you know, it sort of evened itself out yesterday, but, but ultimately we we could be talking more, not sternly, but we we could have more of an opinion of those incidents yesterday if it was just one. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you think in terms of whether they should have been given as penalties and the actual sort of law itself.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think, should, but should either of them be handball in, in what I feel the handball rule should be? No, I think it's just, it's a bit pretty ridiculous. Neither are penalties or should be penalties. Um, but I'm pleased that there was consistency. That's all That's all. That's all I ever asked for. Um, so that makes me a bit less bothered because there's times during games, not necessarily for decisions is game changing as as a VAR penalty call but where it could be like a foul on the striker where one's given and one and another one isn't um, all I ever asked for was consistency so that's I guess a bit of a, a slight semi-tick there in that box um, but as you say the rule is the current rule and fundamentally we need to adapt to what the handball rule is I mean it's not like it's the first time we've seen it right? it's, it's, a, it's a sport that's broadcast worldwide where you get so many games a week that you see and this probably happens at least once a month if not more so you should be awake to it um again okay you could argue whether it's natural or not but should Reesberg have his hand up there probably not um just 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 keep keep your hand down just don't don't give the referee a, a, a chance to make that call just just don't don't give them an excuse to review it um so yeah i'm i'm a bit i wouldn't say not bothered about it um because i think it it did change the game and as much as it evened itself out i think if we go in 1-0 down rather than 2-0 down that changes the complexity of the game um albeit we got back to 2-1 um but still that the just the the general dynamic of the game has changed um and maybe at 1-0 down we we could have equalized in the first half who knows um again we'll never know now so there's no point thinking about it but yeah, it's just, it's again, it's what one of those, I mean, there was that survey that came out on VAR where they think was it 95% or whatever it was of VAR calls they think have been correct. You can have an opinion on that, where well, I think most of those calls may have been correct per per the, the, the rule book, but maybe some of the issues now is the rules need changing. Um, you can just get into an absolute minefield of, debate and discussion on this and it's probably not one for a 45 minute long pod it's probably one for a extra long special episode and for pundits a lot more a a lot more in in the know and and higher up in in the world of sports media than two podcasters eh
2: well let's talk about something else that that probably two Luton town podcasters shouldn't be talking about but it's um Whilst we're Premier League, we might as well. That's the blue card. Um, instead of you know fixing the issues that are currently in the game, they they want to. Premier League are trying to take it in a new direction. I, I don't even know if it's Premier League. Is it the FA? No. I think
3: it's trying to it's it's more global lawmakers like IFAB. I think
2: okay, um, and that's the blue card. Um, something given for for dissent. Something that you know tried to clamp down on time wasting and and in that respect you sort of commend the action of, of trying to clamp down on stuff like that but but whether this is the right approach um is another question in itself um what what do you make of of the blue car potentially coming into play
3: I think that they've got their heart in the right place but I just don't think they've got any common sense do they really like let's be honest I think Again, we all would love to cut out time-wasting and cut out players surrounding the referee to try and get someone booked. Like, of course, as a fan, we want that to go. Um, but they've already got the tool in, in their pocket. You've got a yellow card, lads. If you book a keeper after half hour because he's time-wasting at 1-0 up, he's going to stop doing it. And if you don't, you send them off. And then it's 10 men for the game. Like, you don't need to introduce this blue card. Like, it's like they've, they've thought of... A way of stamping it out, but not actually fought through the consequences. What happens if you if you give a, a player a blue card and then that team are down for down to ten men for ten minutes, and then they they're going to time waste more because they, then they would need to set out that ten minute spell, and then the game for ten that game for ten minutes is just going to be almost a write off because the, the team is going to camp in for ten minutes and just change the way that they play. And then you think, oh, actually no, you can because you can give an, you can give one more blue card. Well, yeah, but then they're going to campaign even even more for for ten minutes. They're going to see out see out fifteen minutes if that's overlapped. What happens if you give a blue card to a keeper? Is do you have to do you have to sub on a new keeper for ten for ten minutes, or do you have to put a, an actual player in goal? I, I just don't feel like they've fully really thought it through. Um, so I mean, thanks for having the your heart in the in in the right place. And I think you I think they want to. Uh, Something in terms of wanting to cut it out, but all you need to do is tell the referees if someone time wastes like excessively. We're not, it's not, let's not let's not talk about walking over to a throw in and racing fifteen seconds. Like that's not what we're on about. But if someone excessively time waste, so Fodderingham yesterday took a minute for, for for a goal kick inside the first, whatever it was. You have a word, okay? First time, just Wes, don't don't time waste. You've been warned second time we have been warned here's a yellow card. third time whereas you're on a booking now don't time waste again fourth time you're off red card second yellow you've got you've got that tool in in your pocket already so use it more that's all you've got that's all you've got to do do is just change that if a player is if, if, if a player is deemed to be dissentful to, to the referee you book him it's like or you watch your mouth I'm the ref. It's my idea, or or, or, or it's, it's it's my my choice on on what what the the outcome is of of that foul or whatever. And then if you've, if you've, you've already got that tool in your pocket, so I don't think really we need to introduce another blue card. Um, I think the general discourse amongst fans at the minute, which yeah, I'll probably agree agree with, is that the standard of refereeing in the country is that it's all time low, and referees can't make basic decisions based on the rule book as it is so you're gonna you're gonna add an, another layer of complexity like i was pro var before it came in um because i thought it would help them but quite clearly they're not competent enough to use the tool as i always say VAR as a tool is not the issue it's the people using it um but quite clearly they're not, they're not competent enough to use the tool so probably you should just be taken away likewise like you you have these referees that seem to have ideas way above their station and will just throw it around willy-nilly and think you know what can't be asked to do a you. here's a blue card Get off the pitch for 10 minutes when actually it's probably not even time racing too much it's just they've had a bit of cramp and they're sort of hopping over to, uh, they're walking over to to, to the side to to, to to sort of get some treatment or whatever um so yeah i just think there needs to be a general review of refereeing in total rather than just looking at this blue card as a way of stamping out something that does exist but something you can you can deal with using what you already have in your pocket
2: yeah i think technology is complicated refereeing so so much and i think var Mm. is a tool that's supposed to ease the workload on, on referees but it hasn't worked that way so far um i also think as well um if you think of in the nineties, for example, where most would consider refereeing standards being better. Were they actually better though? When, you know, we're seeing angles each week, we're seeing angles that we didn't have in say the nineties, early noughties um, of incidents that, you know, under the the normal TV angle um, might not look too bad at all. But with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cameras in the stadium, you you see things in a different perspective. Um, you, you don't necessarily see them in a true perspective as well. But I think that makes some decisions that referees make look a lot worse than they possibly are. Um, mm. So I do think referees have it difficult. At the same time, I still think there are some absolutely ridiculous decisions that go on week week in, week out. Um, I think Rob Edwards is, is, as he often does, said it absolutely perfectly when asked about VAR and its implementation. Um, he mentions the fact that you know there, there's some division at uh, some decisions that that go to var that i don't know kind of shift the blame from the referee to to somebody else that's yeah. Yeah. making a subjective decision he agrees with it from o- objective decisions like offside but but there's c- certain incidents for example high or a, a high foot um landing on somebody's knee or whatever um that is just somebody else's perception somebody outside the game somebody that doesn't really know the context of the game somebody that's just watching from from wherever it is um there's a lot uh is so much to unpack when it comes to to refereeing decisions and the implementation of VAR. and as we said at the top it's probably best for for um a longer episode and, and probably get people on that are on sort of both sides of the of the spectrum but yeah, I think it's fair to say that there are lots of refereeing decisions week in, week out that that cost games, and with money in football being as well, football being as expensive as it is, um, they, they become costly these decisions. Jamie, let's talk about the Premier League table now. Um, we mentioned, I think we mentioned it a fair few times, that that yesterday we could have bridged a thirteen point gap over Sheffield United, a ten point gap over uh burnley but as it is it's still quite tightly compact down there um sheffield united are on 13 from 24 same as burnley then it's everton who are 19 from 24 luton 20 from 23 Uh, forest 21 from 24 palace 24 from 23. we'll probably go up to brentford in 14th 25 from 23 still tightly compact it could have been better um but but ultimately would you have anticipated at the start of the season that that coming to what 60% of the season would be outside the relegation places and you know have a game in hand on the the three teams below us it's a very good position to be in um without you know taking yesterday's result into account and, and the possibility of being even further ahead, can we be content as Luton fans about the position we're in?
3: I think content is probably the right word. I think when you try and digest yesterday and, and internally think about where we are, I think ultimately, you if you if you would have offered Luton fans at the start of the season that you're you're in it. With, with a game to go, you, f- you go into the final, the, the final day where you ha- have to beat for them at home to stay up. You probably would have taken it. You think, you know what? Yeah, i would take that. Let's just, let's just try and condense the season in into, into as, as little games as possible. Um, so after 23 games, it's now a 15 game season. and we've got a one point advantage. <laughs> I don't think you can complain about that too much. Um, especially given the fixtures we have, um, then it's just a case of what could have been, right? If ultimately, if, if if all you do this season is win your two home games against the two fellow-promoted sides, then we sat there on 26 points, luck like, like sort, of, sort of sitting pretty in 14th, seven clear from relegation zones. And yeah, you're talking in what ifs and maybes and stuff, but it's just... You, you just don't want to get to a position where you're sat here in May, having been relegated by a point or two, and thinking that one of all you had to do is beat one of Sheffield United or Burnley at home, and you'd be a Premier League team for next season. Um, so I think that's that's both sides of the coin. That's both sides of the argument, and whatever side of it you sit on, I think is is fair and completely do, like sort of arguable from your own standpoint. Um, yeah, I think for me, it's just a case of trying to not get too bogged down in, in the what-ifs and just trying to keep going because the players need us to keep backing them. Um, as you say, we're still not in the bottom three. If the season was to end tomorrow, we're, we're a Premier League team next season. Um, and that is all we want this year. Like No matter what happens outside of the Premier League or or in the Premier League, all we want is to stay up. Um, so that, as it stands, we're doing that. Uh, albeit, we, we could be doing it a bit... Easily a, a, a bit a bit more easily than than we are at the minute, but most of us or all of us that have been Luton Town fans for greater than five or six years, we we all know how we do it. People talking about that 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 game against Braintree in the conference where we could have sealed promotion there and then, but couldn't, and we had to rely on a, a Mari Bell goal for Kidderminster to to, to to give us that boost up. Um we we, we always do it a bit in a way that's probably seen as a bit difficult and a bit un- unnecessary. Um, but it's, it's why we all love it, right?
2: Yeah, it wouldn't be the Luton way if, if we hadn't have lost to Sheffield United yesterday. Um, you also factor in when we're looking at the, the current Premier League table, the fact that, that there are potential point deductions looming for um, Everton being the second one and Nottingham Forest. Uh, Everton could still get some of their, their points at the sort of minus 10 back um, should their, their review be successful. Um, there's a lot of moving parts when you look at the relegation battle, especially with, as we just mentioned there, points deductions being involved. But the position we're in with the sole objective of surviving the Premier League drop, we, we have to be content. Um, of course, it's difficult to, to fill fully positive after yesterday and and having the opportunity to to bridge that gap even further but but ultimately 20 points from 23 a point above the drop still having a game in hand and still having a lot of those teams in and around us to play at home might not necessarily be a good thing if um yesterday's anything to go by but but ultimately regardless of, of what happened yesterday you you still want to welcome the likes of everton brentford teams in and around us to Kenilworth Road Um, as we come to the end of the season those games will be massive and and naturally Kenilworth Road will respond to that. Jamie, big thank you for joining me today and a big thank you to everybody watching and listening. We'll be back um, later on in the week, trying, trying to think what day it is today, later on this week to give it the big Manchester United preview, a game where us town fans can be confident of a response at least it's going to be a good one next sunday half four is half four four on a sunday Um, it's one to get excited for of course but until then it is goodbye from us